0: All right, everybody, welcome to episode one, the inaugural episode of Golden Stats of Mind, a new podcast from the Golden State of Mind podcast network. I am here with Dubby Dubb Dubs. I am Brady Klopfer. And W, why don't you tell people what they can expect from this podcast?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, happy to be here. Episode one is a momentous occasion. Uh, so yeah, Golden Stats of Mind is just supposed to be a statistically focused Uh, roundtable, you know, two-person roundtable at this point, but maybe we'll bring more people in. Uh, Statistically focused, um, just discussion of some sort of talking point. Uh, So, for example, today we're going to be talking about using the basic five-man lineup statistics. What are our favorite lineups from the past 10 years? Uh, Sometimes we'll feature more current players or trends, but we thought on uh, this first episode we should go a little bit extra big here.
0: And I love this this topic. You picked a perfect one here. This is a, a fun one to kind of look back on some of the older teams, some of the not as good teams, some of the really good teams, and find the players that stand out.
1: Yeah, well, so for the previews and the articles, I tend to look at the five-man lineups a lot to see how various players are sort of fitting in. As far as, you know, who who which lineups are getting play as far as minutes and, you know, are there any weird irregularities? You know, like DeMarcus Cousins, for example, everyone was worried about his defense. And we wrote an article because when you look at it, it was actually his uh, his slowing us down on the offense just based on rate stats. You know, this is all very like blog boyish.
0: That's what we do here.
1: Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, there's some there's some weird stuff that happens. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to sort of uh, poke around in the history books here, and just look through the teams for the past ten years and uh, sort of go through the history, the the darker times, and and some of the bright times.
0: And some of the bright times. One thing I really like here is we we compiled our lists kind of individually here, and we ended up taking very different approaches. You ended up with a lot more obscure lineups the really cool lineups that only played, you know, 20 or 30 minutes and feature those weird performances, which is a lot of fun. And I went kind of some of the more modern mainstream lineups that we see regularly. So we kind of have a little bit, a little bit of both sides, which is fun.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a good exchange, too, because I think that, um, you know, your your list is uh, a little bit more, yeah, like more current and mainstream draw the people in, and then, uh, you know, mine is like sort of har-hars and like, wow, look at this. Yeah, I mean, you
0: managed to include a player that I not only forgot played for the Warriors, but a player that I forgot even existed in the NBA at all, Dominic McGuire, who played 64 minutes for the Warriors, and you managed to find a lineup with him in it that played more than 20 minutes together.
1: <laughs> Was he? Did he play with Rob Kerr?s
0: Yes, I think so.
1: I like that guy because his last name sounds like my old uh, Texas ex brother in law.
0: We're just adding obscurity to obscurity.
1: Yeah. So, how do you want to uh, go back and forth? Should we start with that one? Yeah. Why not? So, at this lineup played in, it appeared in five games back in two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve. Darrell Wright, Nate Robinson. Dominic McGuire, Brandon Rush, and Clay Thompson, which this is the Keith Smart year, right? So maybe maybe uh, Steph is injured at this point.
0: Yeah, must have been.
1: You know, I guess your center there is, is McGuire or Wright, but this is a very forward-thinking lineup where you're very, very switchy. You do have Nate Robinson, which sort of goes as far as switching goes. But they're, you know, again, we're small sample, 22 minutes. This is just over our minimum sample size, which was what, like 20 minutes. So, uh, but their defense was surprisingly stout. 85 uh, 85 points per 100 possessions on their defensive rating.
0: Which is pretty impressive for any lineup
1: with Nate Robinson in it. Right? (laughs) You know, oddly enough, he was actually all right for us. You shouldn't dog him too much.
0: Oh, I, I love Nate but Robinson.
1: He's one of those guys where it's like you could do worse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know the guy played really hard, which is important defensively if you're going to be a point guard. Like he gave up size, obviously, but he didn't just roll over and play dead in that. That's worth right. something.
1: Well, and he was sick with it. Remember, he had the he had the sort of like Kevin Johnson crossover and got a little bit. Like he could actually get up. He'd block some big guys every now and then. And then, uh, man, Darrell Wright and Brandon Rush and Clay Thompson is such a fantastic set of wings.
0: It's so much fun because they can switch everything. They could all shoot well. At the time, I think I thought Darrell Wright and Brandon Rush were both going to turn into the player that Clay Thompson actually did turn into, which was you know, stupid on my behalf to be that optimistic, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. There was nothing else to be optimistic about.
1: I have a bunch of Andrews Beedrun's jerseys within arm's reach right now.
0: <laughs> hey, I got a I got a shoebox full of Beadrin's cards. Nice. Nice. And some some, you know, Patrick O'Brien too, which is a little Ooh. less exciting.
1: Yeah, that's less exciting. Best story I remember about from him is he was assigned as Draymond Green's like mentor veteran. And Draymond Green met him and it was like, no. I'm good. You're not my mentor.
0: It's a very Draymond story.
1: Yeah, so anyway, so that, that lineup was pretty fun, man. I uh, you know, this is this is this is sort of the dark days where, you know, we got rookie Clay Thompson who wasn't doing well. But uh, you know, this is this is not a bad squad that they did. It's it's funny that they didn't use it more.
0: Yeah, it is. It is interesting that they didn't use it more. It's like you said, it's a very modern looking lineup. There's a lot of switchability there. I mean, Maguire was six nine. That's the tallest player they had on that lineup. It's a very What's modern. 6'8"? I think six eight.
1: Yeah, our most that year is them trying to work Curry and and Monte in together. I'll know how that went. Curry and and Monte with. Uh... Darrell Wright, David Lee, and Andres Speedrins This simultaneously
0: inspired a lot of optimism and a lot of pessimism, depending on the minute. Yeah, that,
1: one, that was negative. That was negative four. <laughs> negative Ooh, four. Bad. So not, not a not a great look there. Okay, so you you do all
0: right. Let's see the lineup that I chose as as my number one favorite lineup here is a very cliche one. But like I said, I went with some of the more popular modern lineups here. But the starting lineup in 2015-16 when they set the record 173 games, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, 552 minutes together with a net rating of plus 14, which is just insane for a sample size that big to do that well. But I think I'm a little biased watching Andrew Bogut these last few games and reminiscing. A little bit.
1: He's fitting in so good, though.
0: He is. And it just, it kind of is a reminder for me that what made that team special was how well they fit, how perfect the chemistry was, how much everybody knew their role. And even though I think they're a lot better team, a demonstrably better team now with Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. there was something magical about that team that wasn't as good, but was clicking and firing on all cylinders, really, until... The playoffs
1: yeah you know like looking at this list right now it's sort of our our last team where everyone had a clear flaw in their game and you're right everyone's sort of covered like you know Curry was really lighter back then shall we say and uh was would really need Clay to help him and Barnes to help him and Draymond Green and Bogut to help him defensively you know, and same thing with Clay. He, he wasn't such a ball handler, but between Draymond and Curry and Bogut, there's ball handling for him. And then, uh, you know, this is really the first season that Draymond uh, took over in that sort of David Lee role on offense where he, like, ran around and facilitated.
0: Yeah, that was when he became a star.
1: Yeah, yeah, which was when – I mean, that was right after David Lee got hurt. And he sort of – you know, Kerr came in and was like, well, I, I guess I'm going to start Draymond. Like, it wasn't even uh, something he did necessarily with intention.
0: Necessity is the mother of invention.
1: Yeah. That's a great squad, man. People give Barnes a lot of crap, but he was, he was solid for us. He was, and,
0: you know, there's, there's something to be said for a player who knows exactly what the team needs from him
1: mm-hmm. and
0: is willing to go out there and do it every night. And, you know, now he gets a bit of crap that he's been thrust into a larger role took the money like any sane human would and kind of got put into more of a franchise role, which probably wasn't where he ever should have been. But on this team where he was, you know, a spot up shooter, defend the opposing small forward, rebound, get out in transition. He did it damn well. Yeah. And that defense, defensive rating of 94.2, which is just unbelievable in that big of a sample size
1: how many minutes was that one
0: 552 wow so they just i mean there's a reason they set the the record with 73 wins there. that team just fired on
1: all cylinders and then we have like Igadala and livingston and azalea as our next minutes do we still have barbosa
0: we did have barbosa that year yeah so that's that kind of was a sadness to me in in looking over all these lineups who came up with none of our lineups feature Leandro Barbosa. And that feels like a crime.
1: Well, that's, that's the problem with the sort of our organic selection process though. Right. I mean, I didn't try to come in with balanced stuff. I just looked through it and grabbed stuff that grabbed me.
0: Yeah. There was, there was no way to avoid it, but it doesn't, doesn't feel fair to that Brazilian blur who was so much fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, the we championships guy.
0: Yeah. He's, He's responsible for willing it into existence, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, that was really, uh, and I think maybe it was Marcus Thompson that made this point the other day, that was really our last good Clay Thompson backup player. Like, we have not had, I mean, unless you count Andre Iguodala, which is sort of a different role altogether, but Barbosa was really the last one that would come in and like really ball and like, you know, be a factor. Ian Clark wasn't really that guy. Holly wasn't really that guy either. He's a little too small for it.
0: Nick Young was supposed to be. That didn't work out.
1: Nick Young was all right. You know what I think happened with Nick Young? And this is total conjecture. But I think he partied too hard during the championship. And the team was like, hell no, he's gone. (laughs) I don't believe that. Like, you know, smoking weed on the team plane or something big where they were like, ooh. Because they were giving him minutes all the way up till the end, and he was delivering.
0: Yeah, he. I do feel like his tenure is unfairly criticized, because I don't think he was as good as people anticipated him being. But that shouldn't detract from the fact that he still was pretty darn good in what they needed him to do.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things about being a Warriors fan, like during this run, is that there's only so much money to go around. I mean, we're we're talking about mid level guys here, or you know, even less, who are yeah. supposed to come in and like be these big factors, and it's like, well, this you know, this is what you get in a in a market that prizes shooters. This is what you can get for the bare minimum.
0: Yeah, everyone's upset that we're ending up signing, you know, Alfonso McKinney instead of JJ Reddick.
1: Right. That's not <laughs> yeah, how it exactly. works. <laughs> Right. Or, you know, and, and I think that's some of the conversation the team has is like, well, you know, Jamal Crawford, like, you can't, he's going to gum everything up, you know, and not pass. Yes. So, yes, we, you know, there, you just have to understand, like, what you're getting for the bare minimum.
0: Yeah, this it's you look around the other teams signing players to the vet men's and the mid-level exceptions, and they're not getting a whole lot either. Right. But they've prioritized fit with those positions. and. At times, that has worked out favorably.
1: Right. Yeah, but also the uh, the playing time, I think, is an underrated factor. These guys can't get, you know, if, if you don't get off the bench, you're not going to get paid. You know, which is like, that's the whole Barnes thing that we're talking about, that 73-win team. Like, if Iguodala was starting, there's no way Harrison Barnes would have got a max contract. Or anything close to it. You know what I mean? So it's like there's, there's a certain financial incentive here for – for players that goes beyond just the contract. It's like, if we're going to jerk your minutes around and maybe like sit you out or not play you at all. Uh,
0: it's factor. Yeah. I mean, that brings us right back to Nick young, right? It was kind of deemed him taking a little bit of a discount to go win a championship when he signed for the mid-level exception. He could have got
1: that Jr. Smith money.
0: Could have got that Jr. Smith money. And now here he is. He's played what? Four games this year.
1: Who Jr. Smith has. No,
0: Nick Young, oh, Nick
1: Young, yeah, he's out of the league all the way, right?
0: yeah, so should have taken that j r. Smith money because he didn't get those minutes and hit him in the butt,
1: right, yeah, but not seventy three win team Harrison Barnes,
0: cash and checks straight to the straight to the capitol building,
1: okay, moving on, uh I'm okay, now I'm gonna go back to order so so uh so this is the team lineup from just last season with the highest offensive rating uh, again this is a, this is a small minute uh, sample here but I like it because there's a parallel here that I want to talk about that I think is, is sort of cool and if I could time travel I would write an article about it so the lineup was uh, like 140 points 139.6 for 100 possessions which is really really good um, and it's uh, Curry Thompson Durant uh, Pachulia as a, as the center, and then Kayvon Looney instead of Draymond Green, believe it or not. And the interesting angle is that uh not only is their offense very good, but their defense is superb. Their defense was an 81.8 rating. Their net overall is 57.8. Kind of like we were talking about the, the sort of balanced roster. You know, I, I'm, I'm surprised to see Pachulia in there a little bit. But I think one of the things that we found this year, and we've recognized with Boga coming back, is something to be said about just having a really big dude who knows how to play basketball and set screens properly. It's like a line football, kind of.
0: It grounds you, and it. it gives a backbone to your offense. You set screens, you have those dribble handoffs, you have no desire to shoot except when you have an open layup. That helps.
1: Yeah, and then the, the part I wanted to, to sort of call out is Kayvon Looney in there for Draymond Green. Because, uh, you know, we, we there's talk already about the future because we're fans. Uh, I think moving forward and, and planning for the sort of uh, next iterations of reality, not knowing what would happen, I think that the Warriors would be very wise to hang on to Kayvon Looney, even if it costs them a little bit extra. Because uh, he does sort of have some of those signs of, Being just one of those guys, you know, he has, I think the best offensive rating in the league this year, maybe, or it's close to it. I think that this lineup from last year, it's interesting that, that he would be in our best offensive lineup rather than uh, Draymond.
0: Yeah. You know, it does go back a lot to kind of, or not go back, but it ties in a lot to the DeMarcus Cousins signing and kind of that concept of, An embarrassment of riches not always being what functions the best. I know we've talked a bit on the site before about how DeMarcus Cousins is scoring the ball efficiently, but he's doing so at such a high usage rate that it's taking away from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, other players who score more efficiently, so it's not always a good thing. You know, sometimes having five guys who can all score isn't the best thing. Sometimes having three guys that are historically great scorers, with two guys who want those three guys to be scoring, can be what functions the best, right? And that offensive rating, 140. I mean, 20 minutes is a ridiculously small sample size, but 140 is a ridiculously crazy rating. Uh,
1: well, well, that's that's the thing though: is you've got all your shooters running around out there with with Zaza and uh, setting screens, and Looney is like shockingly adept at sort of uh finding those holes you know slipping up the screens or holding the screen just long enough and he's getting pretty good at being able to to finish around the rim and you know I I don't think that his his correlation to good offensive lineups is a quirk I think there's really something there with Looney even though he doesn't have that sort of like flashy like he's not really going to cross anybody up you know you probably don't want him <laughs> shooting a game winner, you know, even from like the free throw line, that's probably not your guy, but he's shockingly effective.
0: He is. And he's very, um, to use a weird term, he's very slithery.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: When he slips those screens. And I think that's really crucial in this lineup or at least with this team, because really if you just run Steph Curry and Klay Thompson off of screens, baseline to baseline, Mm -hmm. If you have a player like Looney setting those screens who can slip as gracefully and quickly as he does, there's just no way you can defend that because Curry and Clay only need an inch of space to get a three off. So if you hedge on them at all, Looney's just gonna slip and then he's got a layup or a dunk.
1: Right. Which he does. And that's exactly what
0: Which he does. Yeah. I mean he has an he's shooting ridiculously efficiently because that's really all he shoots. And add in offensive rebounds,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of slippery, which is a great skill. Which again, you know, that's that's something that we definitely like need. It's not like a nice thing to have. It's like we really need our bench players and reserves to to come with offensive rebounding. That's that's probably the biggest claim to fame for McKinney right now.
0: Might be his only claim to fame.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah another another podcast in itself. Well, we'll hit that one another week. Yeah, I just always hesitate to bash the players. You know, that Cousins article about, you know, changing the experiment was framed as let's do it different. It's not that he sucks, Like let's try it a little bit different.
0: And it, And it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, you just can't, your options are limited when you're over the cap and you're only spending minimum contracts. And You know, I say that kind of jokingly about Alfonso McKinney, but you know, he's on a non guaranteed minimum contract and he's in here playing crucial minutes in big games. Mm -hmm. That's a huge win. And he's struggled defensively. His jump shot has come back to earth, but he rebounds like no one's business. He provides energy, he gets out in transition, and this team needs that. So, you know, he's providing a lot of value when you consider the amount of money that he's being paid and the way the team had their hands tied. Even if it's just rebounding, they need that rebounding. There's value in that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is and not as uh, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So my next one is the Hamptons 5. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. From the first year of Durant's tenure in 2016-2017. They didn't play together as much as I think we all thought they were going to. It was kind of one of those lineups that Steve Kerr saved for when he really needed it. But still they had 224 minutes together, so it wasn't like he was averse to playing it.
1: Because that's gotta be that's two twenty has gotta be one of the top lineups in the year, right? Yeah,
0: that was the second second most common lineup after the starting lineup.
1: You know what I mean? So they're they're going to that.
0: Yeah, they, they, went to, they went to it a lot. They went to it to close out games a lot. Offensive rating of 119.5, defensive rating of 96.3, for a net rating of 23.3.
1: Mm. Dude, and then just curiously, what does what that line up this year? Oh,
0: not that good. I will tell you that much. Right? Let's find out. Well, actually, it is just as good this year. No way. Last year, I remember it had some serious problems. Yes. This year, 154 minutes, offensive rating of 120.1.
1: Okay, well, ratings, the offensive is up across the board, but it's still.
0: Offense is up across, but the defensive rating, 96.9. What? So they're just shutting people down. Net rating of
1: 23.1. Ah, huh. uh, that is surprising to me. Is that surprising to you?
0: It's extremely surprising to me because last year they could not get it going with that lineup. And now I'm going to see if I can find, if I can find the stats for that lineup from a year ago. But yeah, because if I recall correctly, it just did not work last year.
1: Well, so that's the argument for the playoff switch then, right? I mean, yeah, this lineup has a history of doing it and they've done it this year in decent minutes.
0: So last year, that lineup the defensive rating was 112.6 oof net rating Damn. of 3.5 so basically this year that lineup has been more than 15 points better per 100 possessions on defense ha huh. in big sample sizes yeah so i don't know what happened last year
1: dare i say that's an overlooked reality of this season
0: i think so no one no one's talking about it And part of it is because there's been the discussion of what is Steve Kerr going to do in the playoffs to close games? Is Andre Iguodala going to be in there, or is it going to be Demarcus Cousins? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be Iguodala, and I think the numbers bear out that that's what it should be, especially in those late games.
1: Yeah, and I I think you know he's a little more uh, less of a weak point on defense.
0: Definitely, and and once you get to those those final three or four minutes of the game mm-hmm. in the playoffs, all that offenses are running is a high pick and roll to get a switch, and then your best offensive player attacks the center. So it's just going to be James Harden on Draymond. someone. Yeah, so it's it's just got
1: to be not DeMarcus Cousins, right? You oh, you would rather have Looney in that situation, I think
0: absolutely absolutely looney's a great switch
1: defender yeah uh although did you see the latest uh explain one play from apricot yes and he's like he's doing just enough of the right things to to sort of uh to hang you know he's he's like he's still not i mean i think there was like a steal in there where he sort of knew what was coming and ducked down and like caught the bounce pass But mostly he's just sort of in the way as a big dude. And I think that you go really far for him, but it's good to see that he worked with the team a little bit because that's an improvement. Like he's definitely like better at knowing where to go and what to do within the scheme of our switching system.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen that across the entire league in the last few years as switching defense has become more popular and more necessary is we're seeing more big men who are learning just fundamentally where on the court they should be, even if they don't necessarily have the skills and the physicality and athleticism to play great defense. They're learning that just positioning and knowing where to be at any moment is half the battle. And if your other players around you are good defenders, uh, you can be a serviceable player if you're just in the right spot.
1: Yeah, well, it was interesting seeing Bogut in the lineup because, uh, you know, they sort of went at him. I don't know, maybe it was his first game. Uh, And he was sort of out on the perimeter, and he did this weird sort of like jab step old man, like, you know, like YMCA, like I'm stepping. What are you going to shoot? You're open. You're going to shoot. And the guy missed the shot, but it was like, you know, even knowing that he could like get blown by, he still was solid enough to where he affected the offense. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's all you can do sometime. And not enough players understand that, that it's not always about taking away the shot. It's just at some level about affecting them, disrupting them, lowering the percentage, even a tiny amount, because over the course of the game, that's going to be the difference.
1: Yeah, well, have you seen the statistical argument since we're on Golden Stats of Mind? Have you seen the statistical argument that you really can't defenders don't really affect uh, the likelihood of a three point shot going I in have. or not?
0: I, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting idea.
1: So I'm not sure that I really buy that, but I know that uh, not just because we're on Golden Stats of Mind, but because uh, I believe in good data. I know that you should really respect the math on stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're saying the the best defense then is to deny three-point attempts. In in which case, you know, maybe inviting people to shoot uh, only works if they're a bad enough shooter to where you you can sort of bank on them missing no matter what.
0: As we saw Clay do with Russell Westbrook a few days ago.
1: Right, right. Which was very enjoyable. Yeah, which is super enjoyable. But, you know, and that's something that Draymond Green's gonna have to face down in the playoffs more than once, I would bet.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's been he's been shooting it better lately, so that's at least a good sign. He's
1: been it better, but, you know, uh I, I I think you've played a fair amount of basketball as well. And uh I, I just think that when you start guessing yourself, I mean, I don't care how much of a pro you are, but like You know, if you're not a guy like Clay Thompson where he's, like, in this huge slump, he's like, I'm the best shooter in the world. You know, I'm one of the best shooters in the world. I'm not worried. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right, Clay. You're not worried. But, like, (laughs) most, you know, even, like, NBA players, like, like, Draymond Green, wide open, probably hit, you know, 50 or 75% of his three-point shots. But in a a game, when you start thinking about it and you get in a cold streak, I just think that it, it could be a factor for him this year. And on
0: top of that, there's a really big psychological part of it. When not only are you on a cold streak, but you can tell that your opponent wants you to take that shot because they think that you're going to miss it. Right. That's, and some people, you know, Dre is notorious for playing with the chip on his shoulder. That might play in his favor, but Certainly with me, it's not gonna, you
1: know. No, I I still to this day hear my coach from high school, you're open for a reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. Sure. Oh, that's
1: yeah, horrible. I'm painful. Yeah, well, and he was right. Yeah, I really should have you know, he was he was right. He was trying to coach me. Don't don't take that shot. But if the other team was really daring and you know that you could make that shot in warm-ups, but then you miss a couple or three in a row and it's like, well, crap like this feels weird now
0: yeah and then you start looking at your teammates funny seeing if they're upset that you're shooting when you're missing and you can get in your head pretty easily and we we see that happen in the playoffs
1: you know one time i was playing uh basketball with nate uh parham 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 parham, parham? Uh, I was you, basketball you would know with nate. better than i <laughs> yeah i don't know i was playing basketball with nate and uh Old man, Jim, you know, top of the key is, is worth two and everything else is worth one. And I just knocked in like three of the two pointers and like ended the game very quickly. And he called me, he, he said, I'm just going to keep treating you like my Kevin Durant. And that really warmed my soul for a long time. I, I still lean on that sometimes when I'm doubting myself. Hey, whatever works, man. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a highlight for me. Hey, we'll, t- we'll take our highlights where we can get them. Yeah, so death lineup, amazing. Also, one of my favorite warrior shirts is a death lineup t-shirt where they're all like these sort of skull and bones uh reapers and they've all got their own thing. Like KD's got like a scythe and uh Igadala is doing his like what no fell sort of like who me sort of move with his arms. It's just fantastic.
0: That sounds incredible. I love that. I love that Igadala pose.
1: <laughs> you
0: can see it, right? Absolutely. Does it like five
1: times a game. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sometimes when I'm wearing it and uh, they do it, like my kids will be like, look, he's doing the thing, dad. <laughs> That's dad. perfect. <laughs> okay. We should probably step up our pace here. Cause I still have, I think I still have three left, right?
0: You do still so, have three left.
1: Let's do this one quick because this, this is probably my jokiest lineup. So this is whatever people talk about bandwagon warriors fans. It's like, Shut up! Like I paid money to watch these teams. So in the season was two thousand eight. Uh, I don't know what was going on with the Warriors. Uh, this is maybe right after the We Believe season. Yeah, yeah. So we lost. We traded Jay Rich and our souls, and <laughs> we brought in Corey Yeti and uh, Marco Bellinelli. Remember, he was like the uh, the European. See the European Derrick Rose? He had some really funny nickname. But anyways, our very best lineup from that season only managed to play 25 minutes together. And that's the thing about this season is like, this team was so crap. And our very best net rating lineup only played 25 minutes together. Uh, But it's actually a pretty solid lineup. Like if you looked at the squad uh, and decided who to put out there, this would probably be the way to go. So you've got CJ Watson, who was pretty solid for us, a little undersized, like a Nate Robinson kind of guy. And then you had Steven Jackson as your two, or maybe uh probably probably Steven Jackson is your two. Um, but this is all wishy-washy because maybe Bellinelli is the two.
0: Got a lot of options for twos here.
1: Yeah, so you got uh CJ Watson, Marco Bellinelli, uh Kalen Azbuki, who is now a, a fantastic announcer. Uh, Ronnie Turioff, some of the best dance moves on the bench you've ever seen in your life. And uh, Stephen Stack Jackson. But that, that squad ran up a 130 offensive rating and a 72.4 defensive rating. You know, uh, Bellinelli went on to have a pretty good career. I think C.J. Watson played for a bunch of years in the league, like, these, this, this is a really, really solid squad. And, uh, for whatever reason, they only ran it out 25 minutes, but I just wanted to call out Turioff mostly, man. Like, that, that guy was good for us.
0: I loved Ronnie Turioff. He had the best bench celebrations until Ken Bazemore came around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was always, there was like all those like hyphy – God, was it like Vine videos or whatever? There was all this funny internet stuff with that guy like doing doing crazy shoulder dances on the bench.
0: I think he burnt more calories doing bench celebrations than playing basketball.
1: I don't know, man. That guy had a
0: motor. He did have a motor. That is true. And he was he was just one of those one of those big men that I feel just kind of defined the 2000s where he was didn't seem that tall. Was rather rotund. Mm-hmm. Had great energy and just i feel like that was the flavor of the day for for big men during those early mid 2000s you know
1: he he was a little bit springy and he had excellent defensive timing i don't i don't know what his blocks were but he he had some really really solid defensive plays he really did he did right i mean he might not have been great overall but he was sort of like a uh pachulia sort of character that just or even like a loony who wasn't trying to do too much, but knew what to do.
0: So that season, he averaged 2.1 blocks per game in 21 and a half minutes. That's great. That's a huge number. Yeah. For a guy that wasn't that big. How how big is Height-wise, at least. He's 6'10", 6'10", 250. <laughs> That's pretty big. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's a big man, yeah. but he, was un, he was, wasn't as tall as a lot of the guys he often ended up against, but right. his timing exactly. was exceptional.
1: Was this, Do we still have Nelly? Or is this Keith Smart?
0: This was Nelly. Nelly.
1: Yeah, this is Nelly still.
0: So here's a crazy thing about this season. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now.
1: You're talking about 2008?
0: Yeah, 0809. Yeah. So according to NBA.com, where we're getting all of our lineup data from, The most commonly played five man lineup played 86 minutes together. Whoa, what isn't that ridiculous? But there were that was a year there were a lot of trades, there were a lot of injuries. Most players, it's looking on basketball reference, most players played in like 14 games, 50 games, 40 games. Huh, there was just no, and you know, maybe NBA.com has some. Stat issues going on here I wouldn't put it It wouldn't be the first time
1: Yeah, because normally The biggest lineup is There's a couple That are over 200 minutes
0: There were a lot of players There were 17 players On the team that year
1: Man <laughs> There's my boy Rob Kers
0: Rob Kers There he is And Demarcus
1: Nelson, Nelson. Was that the guy With the NBA uh, radio DeMarcus arms? Demarcus Nelson You never said <laughs> <laughs> Is that who that was? <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes. (laughs) I do. Oh my
0: god. Amazing. So, But on a more serious note, the thing I, I loved about you bringing up this lineup, I feel like this just personified the Warriors of that era.
1: One trash.
0: Yeah, they were not good, but everyone played so hard. Yeah. Everyone had something they did that was endearing or exciting or worth watching.
1: Yeah, well, you know, this is right after the We Believe year. And I am I am 100% positive that I watched every single minute of that season.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. And those players were fun. I loved watching Kalen Azubuki. The way he could just take off off of two feet and slam dunk on someone six
1: inches taller than mm-hmm. him. Throwback to the... Uh... Mikael Petris and step out of bounds during three-point drive from the wing there.
0: To this day, I cannot see a player step out of bounds from the corner on a drive without like blurting Mikael Petris out loud. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, well, it's, just have to yell it's it. a
1: Universal Warriors fan thing too. Where- <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how you know you've encountered another true fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I like wearing the Beadrins jersey it's like there's a sort of like shared like survivor's pain you you can commiserate oh yeah i like i've never been able to grow a beard but i assume that's what it feels like when when a solid beard like gives you the like cool guy nod
0: you know i have both a beard and lived through those shitty warriors teams and i think i think the camaraderie with the bad warriors teams is is better it's more special
1: it's more solid
0: it's a better group of people All right, I'm going to move on to to my next lineup here. So I have from the 2014-15 season, the first title, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and Andrew Bogut. So that was the lineup that I expected to be the starting lineup when Steve Kerr took over.
1: Oh, this okay, so this is without Barnes.
0: Yeah, it's Iguodala instead of Barnes. I, I thought that Steve Kerr was going to come out with this lineup as the starting lineup. And he announced in training camp, because this is his first year, he announced that it was going to be Harrison Barnes starting and Andre Iguodala off the bench. And because I was a reactionary fan, all of my goodwill for Steve Kerr just evaporated immediately. <laughs> I just went from thinking like, yes, this is going to be the coach of our future. He's going to lead us to championships to, oh, shit, they hired an idiot. Yeah, and of course that wasn't the case.
1: No, but he was even saying like he was not certain of that. He was even saying, like, "I it could go wrong." In which case, you you can please call me an idiot because I am scared by this.
0: And he realized, as he should have, and this was you know the part that I think I kind of overlooked that Andre Iguodala was obviously a better player than Harrison Barnes.
1: But well, I think everybody realized it. Yeah, yeah, it's the but. But
0: but he knew that it would help Barnes' development being in that starting lineup, and he knew that second unit needed the creation that Iguodala was able to provide, and that ended up being vital. And so that unit with Iguodala in there instead of Barnes, offensive rating of 111.8, pretty decent, defensive rating of 85.6 for a net rating of 26.2 in 181 minutes.
1: Like the pre-Hampton's five.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, if you think about how good that lineup is defensively, you have Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut and Andre Iguodala kind of before he started hitting the aging curve that he's now kind of starting to hit a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's three all-world defensive players plus Clay Thompson, and they just they just shut teams down.
1: That's borderline Clay Thompson's final, but I'll allow it. Fair enough. So
0: I love, I just love that lineup. It was, there's was so much good passing with Iguodala and Draymond and Bogut in addition to Steph Curry. Like with the exception of Clay, everyone was a great passer. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just a lineup that worked. It was a lot of fun. I don't have much special to say about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the move though. I mean, that was what Kerr turned down for the 73-1 team. You know, a, a big part of it too, is I think they're trying to save, Iguodala for the postseason a little bit too. And it worked. Maybe not save him. It didn't work. No, not not the 73 win. Year. Oh, not
0: the 73 win year, no.
1: But uh I you know I, I think that that's definitely something they're planning for is some of the metric that led to that decision was like, well, then we can like burn minutes on this young kid and if we need it. That was probably the year that Kerr first called Iguodala their security blanket. You know, like if we need it, I can always bring in this guy who's like flat out better than this other dude who's starting.
0: I also think you kind of got to maximize what Harrison Barnes could bring by putting him in the starting lineup because we see him in Sacramento as we saw him in Dallas. And I don't mean to rag on the guy at all because I think he is a good player. He's not an efficient go-to scorer. You want you you want him in a role where he's part of a unit. If he had been coming off the bench, he would have gone into that typical bench scoring Lou Williams kind of mm-hmm. role.
1: And see, but you don't want him. yeah, that's a bad fit. For yeah, he
0: wouldn't he wouldn't be good at that. He just that wasn't his skill set. So by putting him in the starting lineup, turned him a little bit more into a three and D guy, which was what the team needed out of him.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he still doesn't have a move.
0: No, not at all.
1: Which is crazy that you can make it into the professional basketball league and not have, like, a move.
0: And still average, like, 15 shots a game.
1: Yeah. I mean, on reasonable efficiency, to be fair. I mean, he's not, like, necessarily, like, killing the team or anything. He's not helping a lot, but... Decidedly mediocre is not always bad. You know what I mean, Brady? Yeah.
0: Sometimes you need a replacement level player who can give you 34 minutes a night.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're, we're probably approaching our hour, so let's let's move on here. Uh, oh, this next one is, is one of the funnest ones. It's it's our first really stretchy, super shooty uh, look in the modern era. And uh, this is uh, it's Clay, Steph. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and then Jermaine O'Neal, Uncle J.O., back in 2013-14. Uh, and they had an offensive rating. This is 40 minutes, so, you know, it's probably not one of the top lineups on the year, but their, their offensive rating was 143.4. And their defensive rating was 74.7. So overall, they were a net 68.7 uh, per 100 possessions which is just killing people. Uh, And, you know, this is really the first time we really had, like, a really stretchy uh, lineup where, you know, Jermaine O'Neal and David Lee, like, neither one of those guys is really scaring anybody, uh, you know, as far as, like, uh, deterring people from taking it into the hole. But, uh, man, everybody is solid. Everybody can dribble, pass, and shoot. and it clearly worked. I mean that that rating is brutal. It's the highest offensive rating and the third lowest defensive rating on the year. David Lee was great for us, man.
0: He really was. He he does not get the credit he deserves.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, he kind of does. He is well loved around. He is well
0: loved. He he doesn't get any crap. That's for sure.
1: Right. He's sort of but yeah, you're right though. He's He gets more of the, uh, like a Donald foil, like everyone loves this guy, like nobody cares for treatment uh, because I think maybe because of his salary and stuff, people really uh, sort of back to the barn situation, people really uh, maybe not expected more, but put him in a less successful position oftentimes.
0: Yeah, people have a hard time sometimes separating the player from the contract.
1: Yeah, well, and he got hurt at the end, too, so that sort of dragged it down, like, uh, you know, those those sort of ugly endings, where, uh, and he champed it out, like, he popped something in his hip, and, like, came back, and sort of tried to play even more,
0: and ended up having some big minutes in the finals, after barely playing that year, he, Kerr trusted him mm-hmm. in a few games, and he came up big.
1: Well, and the one game where he really delivered was when he sort of, like, Raymond green, how to uh, save Steph Curry from those traps. David Lee was the one that came in and was like, dude, go run over there and get the ball and, like, drive it into the hole and, like, pass it or do a layup. Like, that's all you have to do. And it was such a basic premise, but it was one of those sort of basketball moments where it was like, oh, right, yeah, that's what we do. And I think that Raymond actually now needs to sort of relearn that, yeah. Because I still feel like, especially in the playoffs, it's it's too easy for teams to trap Steph and and fuck everything up. Oh, are we swearing on Golden Stats of mine, Brady?
0: I say I say, let's go for it. Fuck yeah!
1: All right, well, yeah, Jermaine O'Neal, man, and then we almost had that guy come back from retirement, which would have been dope. Remember, we really did a big like sort. Of, he like Bogut is getting that now. Yeah. Just a warm welcome back, man. All is forgiven. I remember all your good parts. Come back and be part of this.
0: Okay, so this might actually sneakily be my favorite lineup. Last year's team, seventeen, eighteen. I call this the switch everything lineup: Sean Livingston, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, David West.
1: That's an awesome lineup,
0: right? No one shorter than six <laughs> seven. No guard. <laughs> Yeah, no point guard. David West could hold his own if he was switched onto the perimeter, and the other four guys were just interchangeable. Predictably, struggled on offense very much. Ninety-eight point two offensive rating, not good at all. Me meager, but at eighty-eight point seven defensive rating in one hundred and forty minutes for a net rating of nine point six.
1: This is the lineup that that made us like rejigger everything. Yes, and for the youth movement.
0: Yeah. (laughs) When they looked at the team and said, oh, this isn't going to score.
1: Yeah, yeah. This this is one of the best options we got for the bench.
0: It's one of those lineups where you wanted to close your eyes when they were on offense, but they were so much fun to watch on defense. Right. Because there's so much length. They just were deflecting everything. It was nerdy, but I loved it.
1: No, I, I I was just gonna say I, I wish they were sort of closer buddies because the Livingston Igadala duo off the bench has been so pivotal for this run, and uh, I ju- I just hope that you know in historical perspective those guys don't just get credit for being like solid bench dudes, but like as being part of some of our best lineups.
0: Yeah, that's how they deserve to be remembered, certainly because they played huge minutes in really, really pivotal
1: lineups that the team would have been screwed without them. hmm Okay, moving on. This is my, uh this is my, no, I'm done. You're done. How did that happen? Because
0: I still got one left.
1: No, that's, that's right. Because I started, right?
0: Yes, but I shouldn't be doing 200. Did you do your 12, 13 lineup? Curry, Clay, Barnes, Dre, and Lee.
1: Oh, uh, Oh, the small ball death squad. Yes, there we go. That's right. I did not do the small ball death squad. Thank you for not letting that go by. It needs some love. Man, these guys were so good. This is the first team that really um took a very non traditional approach and pulled it off. There was like this is one of the teams where it was like they were doing damage.
0: They got sixty five point two
1: defensive rating. Yes. So this is a team, so they actually didn't, this was the year where we sort of discovered it in the playoffs, right? Because we were hesitant to play Green as the center. Look at the lineups, you see a whole lot of Festus Azili, you see some Landry in there at center. We were really hesitant to make Draymond our center.
0: And this is when he really started to show signs that he could not only be a great defensive player, but one of the more, arguably the most versatile defensive player that the league has ever seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say arguably most versatile because he can't really do everything, whereas I think that there are players that can literally do everything. That's fair. Uh, where, But, you know, Draymond is probably tier B in that grouping um, because this this lineup doesn't work if Draymond Green isn't able to cover for David Lee defensively.
0: Yeah. I mean he was he was kind of playing one and a half positions defensively so that David Lee could play half a position defensively.
1: Yeah, although you know David Lee got a lot of shit for it and he was not a good defender. But I do think that he was more fine, like sort of like what Harden is going through now. He he was sort of more fine than people thought yeah.
0: in general. He wasn't good, but he wasn't killing you.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a disaster. All right, I, I guess I'm, I am i don't really have anything else to say about that. those guys, but I thought that was kind of a fun that one. That was a fun one. Yeah, the first real look at a run and gun uh, with all of our personnel. Um, and, you know, young, everybody's young. This is the first year with, with Green and Barnes, right?
0: That was the first year where you could really have some realistic optimism that this team might be special at some point down the road. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and it would be it would be really interesting to see the splits, like on the months, uh, or in the playoff rounds, what this lineup was doing. Because I feel like they sort of all grew together into this. They only played twenty six minutes on the year, which is not even close. Our highest lineup that year was five hundred and seventeen minutes. So this is not a lineup that saw the floor much. But uh, putting putting Lee. And uh, Harrison Barnes in there with Curry, Clay, and Green. It's a lot of good things. The defensive rating was sixty five point two, net was forty seven. I mean, these guys are just murdering people
0: and growing up but before our eyes in the process.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, this is this is Draymond Green playing his way into a lineup. That's exactly what those twenty six minutes are. It's it's Draymond Green being like, look, you guys, like I. You know, and actually, I don't even honestly know. They probably were playing David Lee as the five.
0: Yeah, that's probably true in, in a lot of matchups. But Dre was probably covering for him a lot. But that was Dre's rookie year. He averaged only 13 and a half minutes a game that year. So like you said, that this was him, a second-round draft pick rookie, coming in and proving that he was an indispensable part of the team. Yeah. All right, last one here. Brady with the finale. I've got a throwback one here. Going way back to 2009, 2010. Wow. Steph Curry's rookie year. It's Steph Curry, C.J. Watson, <laughs> Anthony Morrow, Anthony Tolliver, and Ronnie Turioff.
1: So you've got Turioff in there for defense. Oh, yeah. And then three pretty good shooters. Dude, Tolliver is still playing at a high level. Is still No.
0: He hasn't played this year. He played last year. I think
1: they attacked. He's a wing, so he got attacked a lot more back in the
0: yeah, days. yeah. But he was man. So that year, he shot he shot forty five point six percent from threes that year.
1: God, and how many attempts per game? Four point four, <laughs> dude. Yeah, you take that. The thing is, he was just such a disaster defensively. Oh, he was a total disaster defensively, even on offense. Honestly, like he really he. He sort of like uh, like rookie Clay Thompson. Like he just could not like dribble the ball. Oh
0: yeah, he could stand in the corner, catch and shoot, and that was it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that he didn't have moves. Like he really like could not
0: even dribble. He was just a gym shooter who was in an NBA game.
1: Well, I mean, he could. You know, he murdered that summer league. Remember, he blew up in that one summer league game for like forty points, whatever it was. He did. That was wild.
0: I have a soft spot for shooters.
1: Yeah, this is a what, yeah. What's CJ Watson shooting on three that year? Let's see.
0: So, as a whole, the team ninety nine minutes in that roster, they had a hundred and ten offensive rating and a ninety two point seven defensive rating because Anthony Tolliver and Roni Turioff are good defenders.
1: I feel like this is the lineup that hugged Don Nelson when he broke the wins record.
0: That that's, that feels right. So CJ only shot thirty one percent from threes that year. Oof. He was 40 the year before, but 31 somehow.
1: Okay, so he had a bad shooting year, but he was still danger.
0: He was still People still respected him out there, but I just liked that lineup.
1: Curry, Watson, Morrow, Tolliver.
0: It was basically Steph Curry being given the keys to a really shitty car for the first time. Yeah. And it worked, and it kind of was the first time that we saw, oh, you can kind of build a good basketball team. By putting some shooters around Steph Curry, even if they're extremely limited players, and just letting him go crazy,
1: right? Yeah, this is this is solid, man. I I miss that sort of era of wow, these guys could be so good. Now it's more like you know, oh, he might, he probably has a place in the NBA. Yeah, those
0: those years of of dreaming about what could be. There's something fun about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when we got good, it burned out a lot of people immediately. Human nature.
0: It is. There's less to talk about. There's less to, in a way, there's less to be excited about sometimes because you're dealing with reality rather than imagination, which is really depressing to say
1: that. But Yeah, that's really depressing. But this lineup, man, it would have been cool if we could have hung on to those guys. I, I feel like Watson, I was cool with letting walk because – he really hit his ceiling, man. Where it was just like, you can't, we can't pay you any more money. It was like at a job where there's a guy who like only screws up every now and then, but he like sort of sticks around for a long time and he starts asking for a raise. And it's like, mm, <clears throat> you know, I feel like you're kind of good where you are, CJ.
0: Yeah, that happened a lot in that era. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that happened to Carl Landry, it happened to Jarrett Jack. They both kind of got offers from other teams, and I was like, ah. Uh, we liked you, but not that much.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Let's let's, I got a good story to end it. So this was the year before Landry left. It was maybe an end of the season, something They had some sort of like free fan event. And uh, you know, I just leave from my office and I like change into my b jersey or whatever I've got. And I go out there And it's, you know, it's like a free fan event at Oracle. So it's like everything's super crowded and there's long lines everywhere. There's like three staff working the drink counters like throughout the entire building. It's just a huge disaster. Anyways, we're going down to this level and it's so crowded that I can't move anywhere. Uh, And it's sort of that like bar area, like in between the lower deck and the sort of main walkway. And the elevator opens and Carl Landry walks out right there uh with like a security guard guy and I, I you know I got all excited I'm like Carl Landry and like everybody looks and this like the really presses in so like security sort of like bodies everybody up you know and I'm like I'm literally like right next to him like the door opened right in front of me and it's like like I have to move to let him out of the elevator I didn't even know there was a door right there. But so anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, don't take the money, man. Stay with us. And he totally gave me like the stink eye for it. (laughs) So, dude, they offered him so much more money, but uh, I didn't want to see that guy take it. I I think he got hurt that next year. And that was actually a really, really bad contract, like worse than it looked initially. Yeah, it ended up being really bad. The time that I got restrained by Oracle security staff. (laughs) Because they sort of had to like body him through this crowd. And I was like right in front of him and then like sort of like elbowed me out while he was like giving me the stink eye while I was trying to talk to him. That's a, that's a pretty perfect story. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to end golden stats of mind on that note. If you are.
0: Yep. I think that ties everything together.
1: Okay, great. Well, I hope we could do this again. Uh, you know, maybe next time we'll pick a more specific um, statistical category. Uh, I, I think that as this goes on, we'll want to keep it more uh, current uh, as far as what's actually going on with the team.
0: Yeah. Cause in case you didn't notice, they're pretty good.
1: They are really good. And we got Bogut to integrate, you know, uh, cousins is going to be coming back uh, the end of the seasons here. So this is really the crunch time where they're supposed to be tightening it up, but, They're sort of the lazy kids and they're not going to probably tighten it up until when they have to. Uh, So we'll have plenty to talk about, but this was fun for me.
0: This was fun. This was fun. We'll, we'll find another great topic and, and we'll be back at it soon.